Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Well, it's an amazing honour and privilege to speak every time that I've ever had the opportunity to speak. Uh, I've obviously counted it. Such a privilege and honour, but... Uh, speaking here at Resound uh, in the Knox location is extra, extra special and a privilege uh, that I don't take lightly, obviously being uh, the church that my, my grandparents founded. My grandma is here uh, this morning and it's a joy for me who left Victoria when I was three years old and lived apart from my Victorian grandparents, uh, but... 30 years later, uh, God uh, so kindly brought us back and we can be in church with my grandma every Sunday, which is um, it's the highlight of my Sunday. But obviously my grandfather who passed away uh, last year isn't here, which obviously is a shame. It would have been awesome to preach in front of him this morning, but I'm reminded from Hebrews 12 that there's a large crowd of witnesses uh, that are cheering us on, and I know that that is him. And, you know, trying to figure out what to speak uh, this morning, I kind of went through a, a few different things, but in the end, I was actually thinking about the honour it is to, to stand up here and speak, and I, I was reflecting upon the life of uh, my grandfather and uh, my grandparents and the faith in which they uh, have always lived their life and the many stories and moments that you hear. And so I started to think about faith and legacy and about how important it is that we are people of faith and what kind of legacy do I want to leave behind? And I felt like being up here uh, was kind of like part of granddad's and grandma's legacy and um, a few weeks back, I was sharing a message at uh, the location, Rosanne Kadinya, and we're kind of talking about what we see for Kadinya and vision and, and those sorts of things, and I was really excited to share it, and um, three people were there, and I remember saying a call, and one of them was Ruth, the senior pastor of this church, and I remember... Saying to Kylie just before, like, maybe I should just change it up. I save it for when, when they all come. And she was like, no, you just got to do it. And I was like, all right, okay. So uh, I, I, I preached it and I spoke it and, um, you know, as if it was full. And I was telling my dad uh, later in the week and telling the story, I was like, oh, you know, I felt like I should have saved it or waited and... He said, let me tell you a story, and I hope I get it right, but he said uh, that his dad, my granddad, when they planted a church in, I believe it was Cessnock at the time, um, that granddad had prepared a message, and so uh, he got to church that morning, and I, knowing my granddad, he was in a suit, um, and he got up to, to preach. No one came. It was just grandma, and... Grandma was sitting in the front row and Grandad preached that message from start to finish as if that room was full 
And today the room is pretty full. Uh, again, a church that they had planted and it just started to stir in me this idea of legacy and faith. And we just went through a series here at church on Hebrews. And I love it. It says this and it will come up on the screen in Hebrews 10 uh, and chapter 32. And it says, remember those early days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he had promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, and, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to belong to the one that shrinks back. I don't want to shrink back in my walk with Jesus in the life in which we live here on earth. I don't want to shrink back, but I want to be one of those that are known by our faith, the confidence that we had. It was Hebrews 10. Hebrews 11 goes straight into the hall of faith where it begins to talk about all the men and women that we read throughout the Old Testament that were full of faith and did amazing things. We hear about all of them. We hear about the ones like Moses and and, and, and Noah and all of those, but we also find out that there were so many that remained nameless that we will never know their names, but carried the same faith, that, that received the same reward in eternity because of the way in which they live. But I'll just read this little bit, Hebrews 11 and chapter 32 to 34, it says, and what more shall I say? It's just gone on and on about all these people. I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, or about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. And when I started to think about these men and women, I started to think about what did they demonstrate? What are some of the qualities? What are some of the disciplines did they have in their life that enabled them to be so strong in their faith? If we could find things in their stories throughout the Bible, maybe it will help us in our life Today And so this morning, we're going to focus uh, on quench the fury of the flames, which was the last part of that, referring to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, which is in Daniel chapter 3. So we're going to look at the lives of these three men, in particular, the story that we read in Daniel chapter 3, and see if we can find out how they were able to do what they did. So let's start by reading the first half of Daniel chapter three. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 90 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. 
Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes and the other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. You know, like... Sometimes it's just like, oh, you'll be thrown into prison. But then it's just like, no, you'll be thrown into a blazing furnace. It's like, cool. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to the king, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that the boys be brought before him. When they, brought, when they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. You've got to have some kind of faith to be able to be in that position. Thousands of people bowing down to this statue. So many people that the king probably didn't see you standing. So you, if you chose to stand, which they did, you probably could have got away with it, except for the fact that people were constantly watching them, trying to get them to stumble, stuff up a little bit like the Pharisees with Jesus and then ran and told. But regardless, they chose to stand. They chose to say, we aren't going to bow down to this statue. We're not going to compromise our faith. Uh, We're not going to compromise our, our, our belief in the one true living God. We're going to stand in the face of the King and His decree. And then they get brought to the king. They get another chance to bow. And still they say, we will not bow before you. And this is why we won't bow. And then these are the words that get me every time that I just think, how? Is when they say, we know God. 
will save us. They understand the power of God. They understand the power that God can save them. But they also understand what submission to God looks like because they say, even if, you know, our will and our preference is that God saves us right here, right now, but He's sovereign, He is God and we submit to Him and to His will and His way. So even if we have to go into the fire, we're still not gonna bow. We're still okay with it. Whatever happens, happens. We trust God and no matter what, if this is the end of our life here on earth, we're okay with that because we trust God. That's some kind of faith. So I'm trying to think, how, how? where did they get this? We don't read a whole lot about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to find out where this faith came from, how they developed it. The Bible says that we can grow in it, that it can be strengthened, that there's things that we can do that enhance, that strengthen our faith. And, you know, as I continued to read uh, the, chap, the, the book of Daniel, I found where I think some of their faith came from. And we read it in Daniel chapter 6, and this is not talking about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, but if we understand that those three men who were friends of Daniel, who looked up to Daniel, who Daniel was probably almost like a disciple, someone that discipled them, they were close with, that a lot of Daniel's practices, they would have taken on themselves as godly men. And so in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, we read this. It says, now when Daniel learned that, that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room. This is a different decree where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So the decree that these people came up with and took to the king at the time, which was King Darius, not Nebuchadnezzar, they had said that they had set up this decree that said for 30 days, no one is allowed to pray to their God. The only God that they can pray to is the God of King Darius. And so for 30 days, you're not allowed to pray. And they did this because they were trying to catch Daniel. They were trying to get Dan- get rid of Daniel because of the favour and the blessing that was on his life. And I love that it says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he didn't freak out. He didn't say, what am I gonna do? He didn't go hide in a corner and and start to pray in his head. It says, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had always done. Prayer and worship was a regular practice in Daniel's life. And I believe in Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's life where they knew what it was to bow down before their God. No matter what decree, no matter what they may face, no matter what was going on, they knew what it was to come before their king and worship him. See, I believe that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were able to stand up to the king of that world, to King Nebuchadnezzar, because they knew what it was to bow down to their God. 
And my question to you this morning is, do you know what it's like? Or do you know how to bow down in here so that you can stand up out there? Because we live in a world where the kings of this world, every single day of our lives, stand before us and ask us, just like King Nebuchadnezzar, to bow before us, to compromise your faith, to compromise your relationship with Jesus. Bow the knee before the kings of this world. And every day we have an opportunity to bow before the things of this world or stand up like those three men and say, we will not bow down to you. We will not bow down to the idols set up by this world. Our place of worship, prayer, at home, at church, wherever it may be. What it builds in our lives, often from where we read and how we see, gets tested out there. We often underestimate the power of prayer and worship, the strength and faith it builds in us to withstand what the enemy throws at us. What idols in this world are asking you to bow before them, to compromise your faith? Is it the king of anxiety that every day says, bow your knee before me, or insecurity? Or is it the guilt and the shame that you've experienced in your life that reminds you every day, bow before me? We're all worshipping something. We can worship God or we can worship all the things of this world that will continue to tell us to compromise our faith. Is it greed? Is it lust? What is it? Is it our priorities? Is it our work life? It's so full that we are continually bowing down before that. And putting God second. And we heard about making God our priority last week. We need to know what it means to bow down in here so that we can stand up out there. To surrender our lives before the one true King. So when something comes to tell us to bow down before it, we have the faith and the strength to stand in the face of it. Let's read the second part of Daniel 3. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So he tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego securely tied fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, 
Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So they did. They stepped up out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their, not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted, him, who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to, to an even higher position in the province of Babylon. What a chapter. I'm going to ask Shannon to come back up. And, you know, we can, have, we can have a strong faith. We can have a robust faith. We can have a faith that says, you know what? I feel like I'm constantly standing up against these things of this world. I'm constantly living a life of faith and trusting God and believing for the impossible, believing that He can do all things. I I truly believe it in my heart. And we still have to go through the fire. Because I'm sure if they had the chance to not go through the fire, they would have taken it. Because stepping in or getting thrown in and seeing those doing it would have made them feel like, I don't know that I'm prepared or I'm ready to go through the fire. And sometimes we don't feel like we're prepared to go through the trials or the struggles or the storms or the fires that are coming our way. And a relationship with God does not exempt us from the fire. It just promises us that we won't be in it alone. Isaiah 43 says this, but now this is what the Lord says. This is what the prophet Isaiah says before. He who created you, Jacob, who, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. No matter how big the fire is, no matter how scary it is, no matter how much you wish it would just be gone, but it's not. And you're still in that pain and you're still walking through that situation and you ask the question, why? And some of us, all of us, none of us have the answer to why you're going through what you're going through. But all we have is the Word of God that says, whatever we go through, whatever storm we face, we are not alone. 
We all wish that God would spare us from the fire. He didn't spare Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the fire. He spared them in the fire. He didn't spare Daniel from the lion's den. It was in the lion's den that God spared him. Do you have the faith that He is not only in the fire with you, but He will also bring you through it? Remember, faith in the forgiver leads to freedom in the fire. I'll say it again, faith in the forgiver, the one who paid it all, the one who hung upon a cross, faith in the forgiver leads to freedom in the fire. That Scripture said that three men went into that fire, bound, tied up, thrown in. And when King Nebuchadnezzar looked in amazement and called them out, it said that they walked out unbound, free, no longer tied up. Faith in the forgiver leads to freedom in the fire. You know, sometimes we want our witness to be that we stood up against the kings of this world, that the temptation or that sin, we stood against it. And yeah, we should every single day of our lives. We need to know what it is to bow down in here so we can stand up out there. But you know, some of the greatest witness of Christ in your life to the world is when you come out of the fire. What are people that don't know Jesus want to see and need to see is someone that has faith in Jesus, that goes through something that no person should ever have to go through, that walks through it and comes out of it more free than when they went in it. That comes out of the fire. And I love what He says. No hair on their head was singed. And it says this, they didn't even smell of smoke, You can walk through whatever you're going through. And I believe that you, when you walk through the fire, when you come out the other end, you won't even smell of smoke. You won't even hold on to whatever had you. The storm you were going through, the disappointment, the tragedy, the diagnosis, it won't even smell it. Completely set free, completely changed. It won't follow you around for the rest of your life. Who knows the smell of smoke after you've been by a bonfire? It's there for days. It's in your hair. It's in your clothes. You can't get rid of it. It's a constant reminder that you were around a fire. But it said that these men came out of that fire and didn't even smell of smoke. The rest of the band can come. James 1, 2, verse 3, it says this. Consider a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of of your faith produces perseverance. Consider a pure joy. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John 2, 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. 
the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. If you can't surrender your life to Him, you will never be able to stand up to the kings of this world. See, part of the problem is so many of us and so many people every single day are bowing down before the kings of this world, bowing down to their issues, to their problems, to the temptations, to the sin, to the things that present themselves as a statue, as an idol that say, bow down to me. And so many people are bowing down to it so that when they come into the house of God, they can't bow down. They stand up in church and they struggle to worship Him. It's almost like pride keeps them from bowing down before the one true King, yet every day of their life, they're bowing down to the world. This morning, it's time to say goodbye to pride. And for some people to say, I'm gonna make a commitment, a decision to bow down before the one true King so that I can stand up against the things of this world that are trying to get me to compromise. I wonder, would you stand to your feet this morning? The altar is open. You may need to come and bow down before God so that you can start to stand up out there. You may be in the fire right now. You may be going through some things. People don't even know. It's really difficult. We all are going through something. You may be in the midst of a diagnosis. You may be in the midst of a breakup or whatever it may be. You may be in the midst of financial hardship, a really difficult time in your life, crippled by fear and anxiety. You're walking through the fire. And this morning, this altar is open for you to come and stand before the one true God and say, I am in the fire, but I know that I'm not alone in the fire. And there were four men in that fire. And you may be here on your own going through something. Can I say, as you come down the front here, we're gonna believe that people are gonna start to gather around you because there was more than one person in that fire. His friends, their family, they were with them and we are your friends and your family and we wanna stand with you in the fire and believe that God will see you through it. Faith in the forgiver leads to freedom in the fire. Some of you may need to physically bow your knee in complete and utter surrender to say, I need You, Jesus. I need You more than ever because I cannot get through what I'm going through without You. This is the message of the Gospel, that Jesus Christ died for you. This altar is open, not just for those that believe in Him, but even if you are in this place and do not have a relationship with Jesus, the first step is to surrender your life. So this isn't an altar for people to make a decision to follow Jesus. This is an altar for people that say, hey, I need faith. I need to know that I'm not alone. That come hell or high water, Jesus is the rock on which I stand and He is with me always. Come on, as the band begins to sing, why don't you begin to come? and say, Jesus, no longer is pride gonna be something that holds me back or whatever I'm going through. I just need need to know that You're with me. I need to know that You're right there in the midst. Come on, that when You walk out of the fire, there won't even be the smell of smoke on You.
point, why don't you just begin to come? Some people will come and pray for you if you need prayer, but maybe it's just time for you to spend in surrender to God. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.